Amen. Oh, what a great morning just to be together, be in God's presence. Oh, it's good. Uh, you know the drill. We've got a couple of announcements for you. Maybe you're new and you don't know the drill. We've got a couple of announcements for you. Um, in a few minutes, so not yet, but shortly, Pastor Ralph will dismiss uh, our kids downstairs to Sunday school. Uh, and two things regarding that. One, remember that you need to sign your kids in and out. So please take them down, sign them in after church, pick them up, sign them out. If they're left unattended, they'll get a kitten in an espresso. Um, and then as well, just a reminder that we're targeting like three years old uh, to grade five. So if you're old enough to come to youth with me during the week, so grade six to 12, uh, then you are too old to be in Sunday school. Uh, and you got to hang upstairs with us, which is awesome. Trust me, it's good. Um, what else do you need to know? If you are like a member of the church, we have our AGM today after the service. So if you're online, you're going to have to drive down here and attend. Uh, and then if you are here, please don't leave. Stick around. Um, as well, we have been looking for a new lead pastor. We talked about this last week. Uh, we have someone coming to preach next Sunday for that role. We've been praying that God would just speak clearly to that person and to us. And so we invite you to come out. So there's two parts to that. One, Saturday night, there will be an open house time of like meet and greet. So you kind of get to know them a little bit ahead of time. Uh, and then Sunday morning, they will preach. And again, if you are a member, you are invited to stick around and vote uh, for that afterward. And then finally, finally, um, I don't know, maybe it's because I was a banker in my former life, uh, but they've asked me to just give you guys a reminder. So uh, we know that money is a tool and that it is logistically just the reality of life. Uh, God has been faithful to us throughout COVID, and we just want to continue to be faithful to his work. So I just encourage you to continue to give generously because the Lord will bless that and multiply that. And then we get to use that for things like hiring a new lead pastor um, and investing in our community, even using the heat in the winter when it's minus 30 for a month, all those good practical things. So uh, let's pray. Then I'm going to invite Pastor Ralph to come, and uh, yeah, we'll do that. God, we thank you that you have given so generously to us, um, and we would say freely, but it actually it wasn't free. It cost you your own son, and yet you you gave him anyway. And so, Lord, we know that you've called us to be good stewards of our time and our relationships and also our money. And so we just ask that as we give generously, Lord, that you would bless it, that you would multiply it, God, that you would help us to just be good stewards with uh, what we give as a church as well, that we would invest in things that matter to you. Um, but we also would just be reminded that we live in the north and heat is a practical element of meeting together. Mm. And so we thank you for that. We thank you that you're the God of all those things. Lord, we pray that you would bless our kids as they're downstairs and those who are teaching and investing in them. Lord, oh, would they know how much you love them. More than anything else, would they walk away today remembering how mm. much they're loved. And God, as we go throughout the service, we're going to lift our voices in praise. We're going to take communion. We're going to hear the word. And in all of it, 
would you just be glorified? We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tiff. Well, it's membership Sunday. Yeah! I'm so very excited to be able to present nine people today who are coming into membership. They've been approved by the, by the board of deacons uh, for membership here at the church, and I'm going to ask the following people to come forward. You ready? Avi and Roger Brinjar, are they coming? Okay, Kathy Collier, James Gomez, Brenda and Natasha Hubble, and Larry and Georgia Primus, and Heather Schultz. Oh, isn't that exciting? Look at all these wonderful people coming up here. Great, great. Now, I'm also going to ask all the, the deacon board and, uh, and Pastor Tiffany to come up as well. Just come on up here and uh, stand behind these wonderful people because we want to bless them. <laughs> oh, how very special. Uh, membership is a, is a great uh, time to, to affirm to the rest of the congregation, listen, we're a part of this body. We agree with what's going on in the leadership, and, and we agree with the, uh, uh, the statement of fundamental truths and doctrines as laid out by our denomination, the PAOC. We agree with that. We stand with this church. We stand with this church in our, in our giftings. We stand with our church in, uh, in our service to the, to the Lord, with our, our offerings and the Lord's tithes. We stand with this church, in the ministries of this church. And, and that's, that's what these folks up here have committed themselves to. And what a joy it is to welcome you all into membership today. It's really a, a special, special joy. And, and one of the reasons I've called them up here is so that we can bless them, okay? So you can also extend a hand out to them and, and bless them as well. Lord, we thank you so much for each of these who are coming into membership in our church, Lord. They have committed themselves to this body. And Lord, we know that there's nothing as super, super spiritual about membership in itself. But we're thankful, Lord, for the, for the, the word of God that, that gives us indicators that the people of God would, would join and would extend uh, the right hand of fellowship out to each other. And so, Lord, in our culture, this is just the way it happens. They're extending their, their hand of fellowship out to this body and we to them. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we bless each one of them today. Each one of them are just gifted by you. Uh, it, the way they've been born and, and, and how, you've, uh, how you've just uh, instructed them along the way. And, and then... Not only, not only by what they learn, but also what they've been given, what's been entrusted to them by you, Lord, their talents. And thank you for them. And they, they each want to contribute to the body here. And Lord, we're believing for big things here in Prince George as we move forward as a church. And Lord, they're going to play intricate part of, of all of that. Lord, we just believe that and we, we trust you for that. And so, Lord, today 
we, we bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, it's as if we're just setting them apart to shine for you as members of Prince George Pentecostal Church. Bless them today, we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. You can all be seated except, except for Evie and Roger. <laughs> what are you looking at? It's Janet Gomes, not, not James. I said James Gomes? I said James Gomes? I'm sorry, Janet Gomes. I'm sorry. You know what? I, I'm even wearing my glasses. Now, I want to thank uh, Steve for pointing that out to me. He is the administrator around here. And uh, he's, he's a joy. He's being used in his giftings. So, this is Evie. Where's Roger? Um, Roger should be here. Okay. But he was out of town and delayed. Okay. Well, we bless Roger. We, I'm so thankful that Evie is here today. And uh, she, I've asked her to share a, a, a testimony of God's healing power. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let her share that. Take a couple minutes. God bless you. Roger's in so much trouble for not being here. Is this, can you hear me? <laughs> so Pastor Ralph asked, I shared with him last week a, a um, miracle that we have experienced. And I'm sorry, I get emotional. <laughs> this is why Roger should be here. Um, at first, I have to say, this was so interesting, what we just did. It was more like a reunion. And God is doing something. Haven't figured it out yet, but it's going to be cool. But anyways, we, um, we've been blessed with three grandchildren. And our first grandchild should have been our second grandchild. But he decided to come three months early. And when you asked me to share this, um, the miracle, I got thinking about it. This, this little guy's life is a miracle. Um, I was just telling Jody, we have a Facebook page that we started when we started our journey with Brantley. And I made the mistake, I'll call it a mistake at the moment, um, of looking at it last night. Because <laughs> I'm like, God, what are all the, there's so many miracles. And I went through this Facebook page last night and I was just blown away at all the things that I thank the Lord I've been able to put behind me. I don't think about them anymore. But they were big at the time. And um, anyways, I'll just give a, a really brief story. Our son is in the military. So four and a half years ago, we were at their home in Edmonton, and he was being deployed. So we're up early that morning, and me being the travel agent, I'm frantically working on my son's stuff, because they spelled our name wrong, if you can imagine, on his flight ticket. So our kids came into the living room, and I'm frantically, I'm on hold on the, on the phone, I'm on the computer trying to do things, and our kids are just standing there, and they handed us a mug, each a mug. And mine said, best grandma ever, and Roger said, best grandpa ever. So our world just stopped, and that's how they told us. They found out that morning of his deployment that they were expecting. So anyways, just a lot of emotions there. Going down the road, um, Kara had medical issues and delivered early. 
I was able to spend the first night in the hospital with her. And I thank the Lord that because of the position my son was in overseas, he was actually, I don't understand all the lingo, but the head guy in the military that was organizing the deployment they were on, Cody was directly under him. If that guy went somewhere, Cody went with him. He was like his bodyguard, his whatever. He was in charge of his own guys, of his lav. That lav, the head guy was in. But because of that connection, when our son Cody got the phone call, this guy released him. So I think it was 75 hours later, Cody arrived in Edmonton. And um, Kara always laughs about it and goes, it's a really good thing because if I didn't get there, she was worried that Roger would have to go in the delivery room with her. <laughs> but anyways, he, um, he arrived early. And it's just been a journey, if you know anything about premature babies, it's, it's been a, a journey. And I'll just give you an example. I know you won't be able to see this very well, but he was tiny. He was just a, a tiny little dude. And um, this picture, I remember one night I was having a bad night, and I sent this to my sister, who's a nurse in Ontario. And at first I was overwhelmed at it. And I said to her, I said, Glenda, it looks like he's looking up and saying, Daddy, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And I was a mess. And then my sister goes, you know what? I look at that and I see, Daddy, God's got this. And just changing your mindset was unbelievable. And from that moment on, I looked at it and I got, God's got this. But... Um, Throughout his journey, he's four and a half years old now, it's been a constant um, medical team of different specialists over him. If you saw him, you wouldn't know anything was wrong, anything had happened. But just internally, a lot of different issues. But God has worked each and every one of them. I won't take the time to go into all of them. But most recently, he aspirates all the time. Every single fluid that goes into his mouth has to be thickened to this day. Along with that, he, um, he was having a breathing issue, and it was just, you could tell something was up. Anyways, he was scheduled. My daughter-in-law is also an RN. They had all these things scheduled, and she stood up to them and said, you're going to go, he's going under once. You guys can do your scheduling. He's only being put under once. And they did it. So he had four specialists in the OR waiting for their turn to do these, whatever it is that they do. And the one doctor, um, because of his breathing, she went up with her instrument to take his adenoids out. And she had to stop because they were so um, enlarged, she couldn't even get her tool up there. And this, I think, was two months ago. But she also came out and told the kids that um, there is abnormal tissue there, a tumor. My daughter's an RN. She deals with this all the time. She gets the actual written medical reports every time he has an appointment, and all the language was cancer. So then the other thing was the reason they stopped is the doctor was concerned and thought the brain might be involved. Preemie's heads are different, they de develop different. She was afraid that there was brain coming down and attached wherever that area is up in there. 
So she stopped and said, we need to do an MRI. And so for two months, we've been waiting, praying that God would touch him and heal him. And I, I just believe there's so much power in praying the word of God. You, you got to know the word of God and you have to pray it and you have to speak it. And I, as, as in heaven, on, on earth as in heaven, I would bind whatever that was and just send it to the pit of hell where it belonged. Anyways, we were just there for some business. My son was away for eight weeks in the military training. That's when she got the reports where all the words were cancerous. And it's tough to see your kids go through stuff, but she sent him the reports, and the poor guy, he's teaching at this training thing, and he's reading and Googling. <laughs> so he's texting and calling and talking and just freaked out. The rest of us knew the elephant in the room was cancer. He didn't even think about that until he saw the reports. So parents for this stuff need prayer also. So anyways, they, they looked at the MRI and decided the brain's not attached, the brain's not involved. That was such a blessing. It was like a, a thousand pounds off the shoulder, but then there's that other thousand pounds on this shoulder. So Roger and I've been away for a couple weeks and we were in Edmonton at the kids' place and thank the Lord, they got, we were getting ready to come home and Kara called and said, you're not going anywhere. They just got the call that his um, surgery was planned. I think it was Thursday, two weeks ago, Thursday now. So we stayed, obviously. And um, the doctor goes in there, took his adenoids out, which needed to happen, and tubes in his ears, which needed to happen. But the unbelievable, unbelievable miraculous thing is when the doctor went in there, there was no abnormal tissue and there was no tumor, and the adenoids weren't even as big as they were. Totally healed. Again, again, he has an incredible story, but yeah, but this is, I have to show a, a normal picture. This is our little hockey dude. And if you know us, we're a hockey family. My son, his dad played junior hockey for years. And this is one of my favorite new pictures. He's our Superman. That's him with his uncle Nick in their Superman capes. But anyways, God is faithful. Never stop praying. Praise God. Wow. Thank you, Eddie. I, I brought one other thing, because this kind of, this is crazy, to just show how little he was. A lot of people have babies, have been around babies. Oh my goodness. Pretty small, eh? Pretty small. But you want to know what? That's what he grew into. This is what he first wore, and this was big on him. Oh. It's the side of a, of a Band-Aid. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. God be That's the glory. That's how miraculous God is. To God be the glory. Thank yeah. you, Abby. Wow. Hey. <laughs> oh. To God be the glory. And I know that many of you here are waiting for your miracle, whether you're in your family or for yourself, God is able. We trust in him, don't we? We trust in him. We wanted the kids to hear that testimony, but now, kids, you're ready to go. Off you go. Just follow Carrie over there and, and Jody and who else is helping there? Somebody else is going to be helping along. Great. Okay, have a wonderful time. Come on, worship team.
Here we go again. Praise God. Wow. As I look, uh, as I look around, I just see uh, more and more testimonies of God's, God's goodness and God's faithfulness in people's lives. Amen. He is able. That was a powerful testimony. And it feels fitting to talk about healing and then take communion. <sighs> I think we forget sometimes that like <clears throat> the power of the cross like we know we're saved <laughs> if you are a believer right we've had that encounter and then we got to just are living life and we need reminders that God's power is at work in our lives in tangible and real ways and I'm like, that's not even like the first time I've ever heard a testimony of healing. <laughs> but we need, need reminders. Like I've witnessed miraculous physical healing in my own life, and yet I don't think about it very often. <laughs> and I know that like in this church, we've seen miraculous physical healing. Whether you listen to Deb talk about her story or you've been here for a long time, right? Like, I remember being at a youth event and watching Evie's other son witness miraculous physical healing right here. <laughs> and so I just want to remind you, like, God is at work <laughs> here in this church, this local body of believers. And yeah, sometimes the answer's not yet. Whether that means the healing will come later or it will come when you see Jesus face to face. Like, we don't know, but we got to ask. <laughs> we got to ask and we got to believe and just remember. We're going to take communion. And uh, we take communion because Jesus kind of started it, you know? <laughs> He's sitting around with his disciples at what we like to call the Last Supper. And he talks about the bread and his body and the wine and his blood that will be shed, and I'll, I'll read it in a sec. But we've been working through 1 Corinthians, and <clears throat> at one point, Paul reminds them of this. It says, let a person examine themselves before. Uh, before you eat the bread or before you drink the cup that, so that you wouldn't bring, like, judgment upon yourself. And sometimes I'm like, examine myself? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, why? And so I would just say this. Like, if there is unforgiveness between you and someone else, like, you don't have to rush out the door, but you know it's there. Would you just resolve... <laughs> To deal with it? Would you resolve to forgive them? Would you resolve to apologize? And then if you know <laughs> that you are living an intentional 
sin. Seriously, it's real. It happens. We're broken. Confess it to Jesus. He already knows. <laughs> but there's something powerful that happens when we speak those things to him. And ask for forgiveness. Because he is faithful to forgive you. I remember being a student and going to History Maker. Might not have even been called History Maker. But there was this young guy there telling us about the work he was doing overseas. God called him overseas and he went and he referred to him himself. <laughs> it's just like a skater, punk, college dropout. And while he was doing this missional work, he would share that like they'd hang out and they'd be eating pizza and drinking Coke, you know, some of you will know. And they'd take communion <laughs> with the pizza and the Coke. <laughs> and that stuck with me. And that's been a lot of years now. <laughs> that, like, it's not about what's in the cup or how bad the cracker is. It's about remembering what Jesus has done. So yeah, we're going to take communion. And we'll just do it together to remember that God sent his son to die for us. <laughs> like he was betrayed by a friend. He was falsely accused. He was beaten and crucified and left to die, put in a borrowed tomb for your sin, for my sin, for our salvation. And sometimes I'm completely blown away by that still. But that's like only part of it. Like we're supposed to remember his broken body and the blood but we're also supposed to look forward because Jesus rose from the grave <laughs> and then he ascended to heaven and right now he's sitting at God's right hand, the Bible tells us, and he's like interceding for us and one day he's coming back. And so for the healing you haven't yet received on this side of heaven, that day will be so good. It says, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. says in the same way he also took the cup 
and after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. God, we thank you that you sent your son. And first and foremost, you offer us the gift of spiritual healing. Lord, we're redeemed, we're bought back from our sin. And we want to remember what it cost you. And we want to remember the love you have for us. But we also know you're coming back. And so we'll keep on remembering until that day. And we'll keep proclaiming your goodness and your faithfulness until that day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Jesus, I know that your, your presence is in this place today. And so we remember, and we look forward, and we just proclaim that even though you first loved us, God, we, we want to love you back, and we say thank you. Amen. Amen. Just the wonderful presence of the Lord here, and I, I just feel like uh, the Lord has brought everything together. I know some of you are, are time watchers, and... and um, I just feel like there's a, there's a word that, that I need to, to share with you today, and I, I want to thank you, Ben. That's, that's it for now. <laughs> but we'll call you up in just a second. Thanks, Chad. Didn't they lead us wonderful, wonderfully this morning into the presence of the Lord? Just so wonderful. I want to thank Chad and, and the team so much for doing that. Um, I, am, I just feel that it was so timely, timely given everything, uh, how it's all come together this morning, too, that that I, uh, I take a little bit of a break from 1 Corinthians, and maybe uh, next week we've got a, a guest uh, speaker, our pastoral candidate, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, Easter Sunday will be a little different, so we'll probably give 1 Corinthians a break until after Easter. And, uh, you know, the, the last couple of weeks, the Lord's been speaking to me very clearly about, about uh, a, a word that I need to give you that's uh, preventative in nature. I think most of us know the difference between preventative and curative medicine. We know that we, uh, preventative medicine is great because it, it prevents us from getting a, a sickness. And curative is more like once you've got the sickness, then you, you take the curative medicine for it. Uh, so I think most of us would prefer the preventative medicine, wouldn't we? Wouldn't, wouldn't you all agree with me? You'd say, yeah, yeah, uh, give me the preventative. I don't, I, don't want to take the, I don't want to take all this stuff and go laying in bed and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, give me, give me the preventative. And, and uh, so that's what I want to do for just a few minutes today. And, and it's, it's not a, a, a long word. It's, it's a short word. And it's, in fact, the, the title of my message is, is quite a simple one. And it's called um, 
accepting ministry. Accepting ministry, and, and in brackets you can put from each other. Accepting ministry from each other. I think most of you know the saying, familiarity breeds contempt, don't you? You know what that means. Well, I want to break it down for you. According to Webster's, familiarity means to have thorough knowledge of or acquaintance with someone or something. The definition of contempt is scorn or the state of of being despised. It's the, the feeling of one who views something or someone as worthless. And then to breed, it's defined as to produce or cause. So in other words, familiarity breeds contempt when broken down means to have thorough knowledge of or acquaintance with someone or something that produces or causes scorn or feelings of worthlessness towards that someone. You know, Jesus basically said familiarity breeds contempt when he went into his hometown in in Mark chapter 6. And I invite you to go to Mark chapter 6 with me today. Mark chapter 6. We're going to be looking at the first six verses. So uh, Jesus was saying, even though we know that he was born in Bethlehem, we we celebrate that at Christmas, and and that he spent most of his ministry based out of... uh, Capernaum, uh, Matthew 4 brings that out very clearly. But he was always known, Jesus was always known as a Nazarene. Jesus of Nazareth, they called him. And here we read it in Mark 6, 1 to 6. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom in the power to perform such miracles then they scoffed he's just a carpenter the son of mary and the brother of james joseph judas and simon and his sisters live right here among us they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him then jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family and because of their unbelief he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. I want you to notice verse 1. Jesus came with his own disciples. He returned to uh, Nazareth with his own disciples. And a couple of things, just from from reading that, I I want you to take note of by way of background, okay? This wasn't a personal visit that Jesus was making. Jesus came as a rabbi. He came as rabbi with his disciples. And it, was, it wasn't uncommon for rabbis be, to be trucking around the country with their, with their disciples in tow and, uh, and teaching them that way. That wasn't uncommon. The only thing that was different with Jesus and the normal rabbi was that Jesus' disciples were quite a bit older. Most of them were tradesmen, and, and one of them was even married, we know for sure. Peter was married. We know that uh, Jesus ended up here healing Peter's mother-in-law. So Peter was married. That was, that was not the norm. That was very unusual in that day and age. And Jesus himself, we read it, uh, Jesus himself was a, a carpenter by trade. He was a, a tradesman. So Jesus comes into town, 
with his disciples in tow, just like the rabbis of the day. And on the Sabbath again, as expected, he goes into the synagogue and begins to teach. Verse 2 tells us that. Now, understand something. It's not as if Jesus barges in to the synagogue. He didn't just, just come barging into church and take over. Okay, He, he came into the, the synagogue, and it was customary, very customary, to allow the visiting teachers to give the scriptural exposition. And so Jesus stands up and he reads uh, a passage of scripture. And this is what he read. Uh, Luke uh, 4, 18 to 19 tells us what he read. It's a, it's a quote out of Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be, will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That's what his reading was. And his teaching was this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. And now we get the reaction of the people. And this brings me to my first point. First point. Familiarity with people can breed contempt. It did for the people in in Jesus' hometown. They had heard him teach. They were astonished. They asked themselves a question. And it was a good question. Where do you get all this wisdom and the, and the power to perform such miracles, verse 2 tells us? You see, they had they made an observation, and, and, and it was that incredible wisdom just flowed out of Jesus. And tremendous things were done by him. Healing, many other miracles. But where did he get it from? That was her question. The healing power, the teaching wisdom, where did he get it from? Where? And the question was a good one, if only they had accepted the obvious answer. He didn't get his power from, the, from Satan, from the devil. He'd been accused of that before. He didn't get it from, the, from, from Satan because he was giving glory to God. He was giving glory to the Father and, and doing good. And he wasn't doing it through hypnosis, and there was no psychology involved, like a a mind over matter thing going on there. No. It was an anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said. It was obvious that whatever Jesus did, the power for what he did, he got from God. He got from his Father. You see, they had made an observation. Incredible, incredible wisdom had come from, from Jesus. Tremendous things had been done. But they didn't accept the obvious answer. They didn't like the idea of attributing all that he did to a divine source. They didn't like that at all. And their hostility comes out in the statement that they make right after the question. Hey, he's just a carpenter. He's the son of Mary, the mother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. It's as if they were saying, you know, what's the big deal about Jesus? He's like Joe Schmo from Idaho. You know, he's just a normal guy. Like, why? Why is all of this attention going on him? They become totally derogatory. You know, it wasn't customary among Jews to describe a man as the, the son of his mother, even if the father was dead. 
It's, it's very likely that behind that statement is the rumor, the accusations that had probably circulated around that whole area 30 years ago in John 8, 41, that Jesus was illegitimate. You know, the Pharisees, they, they allude to it. I mean, they come right out and say it. You know, we were not born of fornication like you. They might as well have said. And here it's alluded to. They were pulling things out from the past, the, the worst, the bad information from the past. And so, and so Jesus answers with a proverb found in Greek and in Jewish literature. A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. Jesus isn't saying that this is the way it should be. No, not at all. He's saying this is the way it is. Too often, this is the way it is. In fact, the rest of Scripture teaches that this is not the way it should be. And it most certainly should not be this way in the church or with the church. And this brings me to my second thought today. Familiarity with, with church life can breed contempt. And I'm referring to church life. When I say church life, I'm referring to ministry that takes place in the church, like the life of the church. I want to take you back to the context of our, of our text. What were the people experiencing through Jesus' ministry? And all we have to do is look back a little ways into chapter 5, and we find out that Jesus is casting out demons in the land of the Gadarenes, just north, uh, Transjordan way, and, uh, and, and he was preaching in Decapolis and seeing miracle after miracle, the, the, the ten Greek cities, and Jesus goes again to Capernaum, and the woman with the issue of blood is healed by faith, and the daughter of Jairus, the, the synagogue ruler, is, is, is brought back to life. Man, there was a lot of stuff that was happening. Was it no longer a big deal? After, after so short a time, wasn't it a big deal? Those, those events, that report would have followed. Was it no longer a big deal? Obviously, to some, it wasn't. And I'm going to take an application to us at, on this point. You know, as people of God, we, we, we need to be very careful to not become too familiar with what's taking on, with what's taking place in the church. Our expression to the Lord should always be, oh, we love you, Lord, how you're leading us and, and how, how you've led us in the past. And, and we, we just love your church, Lord. Keep going, Lord. Keep going, Lord. And this is really the expression that, that I've been hearing in, in our church so much, especially in the last little while. It's just so encouraging. It's so right. But I don't want to come off sounding judgmental, but I do believe if we don't continue to have this deep kind of longing, to plunge in and get involved in ministry and, and just go for it. If, if we don't have that longing, then things will just kind of, and I'm going to take my name in vain here, peter out. Peter out. Then things will have become too familiar with us. You know, we had communion just a, a few moments ago, and, and it's such a special time. And the way Pastor Tiffany just brought it, made it real, brought it home to us. It's, 
It's always got to be special. It's always got to be sacred. We can't treat as ordinary the sacred things like, like communion or baptism and the preaching of the word or our youth. Our youth. We can't take that for granted that we have youth around here and kids running around in church and, and, and people of God. We can't let that happen because the next step in the progression is the most dangerous of all. Number three, familiarity with God can breed contempt. Jesus was in their midst and they, and they took him for granted. Jesus is God. God was healing. God was setting people free. He's raising people from the dead. And they're thinking about the vessel. They're thinking about this vehicle God was using. This person that they knew as, as just a carpenter. And the man they thought they knew was the anointed Jesus. He was Emmanuel. He was God with us. And they go a bit crazy. And they try to get rid of God. The Luke account uh, gives us a, a slightly different perspective on their reaction. It kind of completes our text. Luke chapter 4, I'm not going to read it this morning. But they end up trying to throw him over uh, this cliff in, in the city of Nazareth. And he just walks right through. So I ask you today, should familiarity with people, uh, with church life, with God, breed contempt? No. In verse 5 and 6 of our text, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief that he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. It's obvious, isn't it? Isn't it obvious from our text that this is not how it should be? I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to get so familiar with God and his work that I take him for granted and even become contemptible. I desire so much for his presence among us in our church. I desire so much for his working and, and his blessing. And I know you do too. I hear it. I see it. Last week I mentioned the Alpha Course and Nicky Gumbel is the, the leader of the, the Alpha Course and he talks about a, a newspaper article that was written about the fact that God had left the Church of England. And when some, some church leaders were asked about the article, they commented. Imagine saying this, okay? This, this, this is true. It's a true story. This is the church leaders commenting. This comes as quite a blow. I guess somehow we'll have to manage without him. Yeah. Church without God? Church without God? Because of the attitude of the people in our story, Jesus couldn't do any great work there except for in a few, a select few who wouldn't have ex expressed this kind of contempt. I, I think it's pretty fair to say that a person can't be healed if they refuse to be. They can't be healed physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally if they refuse to be. They say, I don't want it. I think it's also fair to say that if a person doesn't want to change, nothing can change them if they refuse to change. 
Like the saying, go. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him put on his bathing suit, right? You know, know, I got to tell you, sometimes I get compliments on a message that I've preached. Or I'll hear uh, Tiffany being complimented. Or Steve was complimented a little while ago. And it goes something like this. That was the best message I've ever heard on, and they'll name, they'll name the topic. It's the best message I've ever heard. But what amazes me is that most of these same people say this about every message. And I've come to the conclusion that, that it wouldn't matter who preached. Their heart attitude is such that every message is the best they've ever heard. And I'm convinced with some of you, if someone got up and just read a passage of Scripture, you'd rant and rave about the anointing that's on their lives. And if someone says, Jesus saves, God loves you, you get blessed out of your socks just because your heart is willing and receiving. I'll tell you, in in an atmosphere of expectancy, even the lousiest message, the poorest delivery, can catch fire. And the opposite is also true. In an atmosphere of critical coldness and indifference, the most spirit-filled, power-packed preaching can fall lifeless on deaf ears. And it's so true that if people have decided to misunderstand, they will. And if they've decided to see no other point of view but their own, they will. That's all they'll see. People come together loving Jesus and seeking to love each other and to receive from each other healing and changing and understanding. People like that will experience ministry. Ministry will take place. Ministry will be accepted. It'll be received. You see, we can either help or hinder the work the Holy Spirit wants to do. We can open the door or slam it shut. And when we don't receive each other's ministry because we know the person, and we say in our heart, they're not anything special. They're one of us. Or because we know of some flaw maybe from their past or, or accusation. I, re- I remember something they did. Who do they think they are trying to minister to me? I've been a Christian a lot longer than they have. If that's our attitude, then we're actually offended. And we show contempt for the vehicle that God is using. And guess what? One plus one equals two. We won't receive anything. Nothing. As I was studying this passage, the Lord kept impressing on my heart the body. The body, the church is the body of Christ. And we need to ask questions about people. But then we need to accept the answers. We need to accept the right answers. They are one of us, and and they minister by Christ's authority. 
He has saved them. He has healed them. Let bygones be bygones. And what God has forgiven and forgotten, we have no right to bring up. I suppose we need to ask ourselves. And I'm so glad I haven't seen any evidence of this. So I'm not. I haven't seen any evidence of this here. But we need to ask ourselves, are there some I don't and won't receive ministry from? Are, those, are there some that, who I avoid? If there is, please change it. They're a member of the body of Christ. They're indispensable. Indispensable. That's what the Bible says about us as a body of Christ. We're all different members within the body of Christ, and each one of us are indispensable. Chad and the worship team, come on back up, okay? Familiarity breeds contempt. I don't think that has any place in the body of Christ. If that ugly... If that ugly creature tries to sneak in the doors, chase him out. Don't let it, don't let it start. Maybe, you, maybe some of you can remember back years gone by where that ugliness has come in. And by God's grace, it's been chased out. It's not here. I don't sense it. I don't sense it here. But I need to ask you something. This is how you kind of feed. You feed a spirit of vulnerability, of, of acceptance, of loving everybody, of receiving everybody. Get a child to pray for you. As they go ripping past you on a Sunday, stop them and say, can you pray for me? You might say, well, you know, they just run around in church and they're disobedient. Well, we gossip and lie. Right? Right? Yeah. How about getting someone younger to pray for you? Some of you might say, well, there's nobody younger than me in this church. <laughs> I'm good to go. Yeah. Look for people who maybe you've never had minister to you before. Invite them to. Don't think about their past. Don't think about the fact of what area of town they live in. Irrelevant. Irrelevant part of the body of Christ. Let's accept ministry from each other and grow and be blessed. Worship team, I'm going to sing a song and then I'll be back just to close. The challenge for us today is uh, don't let familiarity with people, with church life, with God, Breed contempt. Let it breed instead further, richer, 
ministry for each other, with each other, enjoy each other, accept, receive each other. Let it breed an excitement and passion for church life and a deeper walk with God, of course. Worship God because Jesus is in our midst. And as a result, without a question, you'll have a much more exciting and, and, and much more passion for your church life. Even before your new pastor comes, all I can say is look out for him because you're raring to go. Revving up. And you'll have a deeper walk with God. And I can say this with confidence. There are such wonderful days ahead for you. And if you've been listening online and you don't know Jesus, and, or if you're here and you don't know him in, in, in his fullness, you can. You can. You can know him. You can know the most wonderful life there is. And if you want him in your life, if you want him to be your, your leader and your forgiver, all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask him to come in and you'll change. You'll change for the good. And we'd love to help you. We'd love to help anybody who's wanting a new life with Jesus. Please connect with us. Connect with us. Lord, I, I thank you for today. And I thank you for the richness of all that's taken place today. The depth. I want to thank you, too, for what's going on downstairs with the kids. I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that Evie's testimony started something, birthed something within them. And I, and I know that the, the team down there had a, had a good time with them just talking about the miraculous work of God. And for us here, as the people of God, I just pray, Lord, that anticipation would build and build. Lord, there would be an excitement and anticipation of, of, of what you have for us in the future. I bless this congregation, Lord. I bless them in all that they put their hands to. Thank you for each one. Thank you, Jesus. And bless them as they go out this week. God bless you, people of God. Let your light shine. Be open. And watch how God will use you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, don't forget to pick up your kids, okay? Uh, don't go rushing off and, and leave us with them. They're a blessing, but only for so long, okay? And uh, the AGM is to follow, okay, everybody? The AGM, that's for members. Uh, and if you'd like to just come and, and watch and see what's going on, you're welcome to. It's, you know... We'll be doing God's business, and sometimes it's not the most exciting to talk about stuff that some of you get excited about, the administrative, the financial stuff, but, but we'll all just rejoice along with you, okay? So...
God bless you, everybody. Thanks for coming. Jesus loves you.